to Ouija Broads. This is Devin. This is Liz. Hey, Liz. How you doing? I don't know, because you're doing everything in this sort of a dream as a wish your heart makes voice. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let's get over that real quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, did you ever have, in elementary school, did you have, like, like reenactors or these really specific hobbyists come to school and teach you like old timey things like we're gonna bring a cow and show you what we did on the Oregon Trail or anything like that? Um, I don't think so, but we did go to like old Sturbridge Village and to um oh, cool. things like that where they had a whole village and I okay. really wanted to work at one of those as a kid. Oh, man, I yes. thought it would be great. Yes. Okay, that makes more sense. Since you grew up on the East Coast because you were born in New York, that means that you had <laughs> access to a lot of uh, those historic what are they called you know historic homes reenactments whatever uh, like yeah, colonial like the whole, stuff. yeah yeah the whole town would be that or even yeah. like the shaker village where they would keep everything oh, yeah. basically like how it was yeah yeah no that's cool okay well living in spoke growing up in spokane washington i we didn't have anything like that um but we had folks that came and like on our Oregon Trail unit, we had people come in, like, pioneer outfits, and they actually had two oxen. Where the fuck you get oxen in Washington? I don't know. But they had these oxen pull a wagon, and they brought a cow. So I got to milk a cow um, nice. to learn how to do that. And one of the things that I remember, too, was they brought – there were some dudes that were prospectors. So we had some guys in, like, old, tiny, me minor garb bring – uh, gold pans and teach us how to pan for gold. That is amazing. Really what cool, What useful right? life skills for you. Yeah. I don't think we even did an Oregon Trail unit in Buffalo. No I way. We did a, a special unit about Teddy Roosevelt because, of course, he was sworn in as president in, in, in Buffalo. And so we talk about, like, the, the origins of uh, the teddy bear thing and we'd all bring our teddy bears uh. and... You know, okay. it was like second grade, so they sort of skipped over what happened to William McKinley and why Teddy Roosevelt became president yeah. uh, on short notice in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah right. But... Okay. <laughs> you know. Uh... Okay. Well, yeah. I, your shit, your information would win you money on who wants to be a millionaire. Mine would not. <laughs> So I no, but better. when the apocalypse comes, you're going to know how to milk a cow. Jamie, I can milk a cow and a goat because my grandma wow. had goats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to tug on them a little bit harder than I thought you would need to. <laughs> and it makes me feel uncomfortable, but I can do it. <laughs> um, I can also pan for gold. So if the gold standard comes back after the apocalypse, I'll show you how. Um, nice. Knowing how to pan for gold was very important in the... Uh, 1860s if you were in montana because i'm going to talk to you about a ghost town that started out as a gold mining town near dillon montana oh nice uh, okay this this is the story about bannock uh which is a town was a town is now a state park and a preserved ghost town that has over 60 preserved standing structures that you can explore. Oh, nice. It's not one of these BS ghost towns where they're like, they oh, will... if you go there, it's just a big flat area, and you can yeah. imagine you can... that there was a town yeah. there. Yeah, there's a foundation. There's an old crumbling wall. No, this mm -hmm. has got the old uh, you know, like rock and hay mortar jail. It's got the brick 
used to be courthouse, then was a hotel. It's got a whole bunch of wooden buildings that were either private residences or were actual, you know, saloons or stores or the oh, miners' so place. Um, I went there when I was young teenager because we had friends that lived in Dillon, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dillon's about six hours from Spokane. If you drive from Spokane to Missoula, you're halfway there. You still got a lot more driving and a whole lot more car sick to be. Um, but so we went there and I remember, um, um, I remember looking in the hotel. I remember the exteriors of the buildings more than I remember the insides. And apparently what I was reading online was when the time that I was there was probably uh, pretty peak time to visit now a lot of the buildings used to have more of their like tables or they left a bed behind when it was no longer a ghost town mm-hmm. um, and many of those artifacts have had to been since removed because the the park's goal is to preserve not restore oh um, so as things you know they preserve them as best they can but if they fall apart and it's a safety issue you can't just leave this busted up table on the ground so it has to be removed that's a bummer um, yeah, but I'll tell you a little bit about the history. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, many of the towns out west, it sprung up when gold was discovered nearby. And prospectors brought their families and they tried to strike it rich. Um, most of the gold mining around Bannock was done with pans. It was done with shaker boxes or it was done with sluice boxes. Mm-hmm. So they weren't doing the, like, the mining uh, in a mining shaft or um, very much uh, deep drilling. It was mostly surface collecting or mm-hmm. uh, finding veins really close to the surface. So well, that pushed a lot of the gold rush, right? Is that you didn't need a ton yeah. of equipment. You could yeah. just roll up and, and buy a pan from the guy who had given up last yeah. week. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you didn't even need to buy it. You just picked it up <laughs> off the ground, right? Well, um in 1862, this miner named John White just happened to buy, uh, happened upon some gold in the nearby Grasshopper Creek. So that's what started this gold rush to mm. Bannock. Uh, just a year later, about 70 miles away, there was more gold discovered, and that became Virginia City, Montana. So well, that's was, just confusing. It is confusing. Virginia City, I always think of as Nevada. And I'm sure there's... Virginia. <laughs> no, I know. Virginia City <laughs> no Western city. <laughs> no. Virginia City. Yeah, it has the Bucket of Blood Saloon. Okay, that's pretty great. It's great. It's where I was when my dad uh, had his gallbladder turned septic and we had to have emergency gallbladder surgery in Reno. Is that why it's called the Bucket of Blood Saloon? It is now. <laughs> no, it was a real saloon called Bucket of Blood from the 1800s. Wow, okay. So, yeah. For so, vampires. <laughs> for really tough Western men who weren't worried about blood and guts and awful and, you know, things like that. I don't know why they named it that. I didn't prepare that for this episode. I'm talking about Virginia City, Montana, my friend. Okay. So, um, yeah, Bannock. Uh, Virginia City ended up having more gold. So the 3,000 or so people that were at Bannock when it was peak boomtown in 1862 
most of them have left in the next two years trying to find a bigger mother load in Virginia City. But you still have a steady stream of miners moving the 70 miles between Bannock and Virginia City. And there are, you know, folks that are living and mining in Bannock up until the 1930s. Hmm, um, okay. Not a ton of gold is being found then, but then of course World War II happens and all non-essential mining operations um, cease federally. So Bannock continued to be this little town kind of limping along until the 1950s. And, you know, there was a whole bunch of people that came in and out of that town. So even if it didn't have... Um, a strong primary population, I guess. Like you had a huge transient population coming back and through, coming back and forth through the town. It saw a ton mm -hmm. of people in its life. Um, by the 1950s, the state decides now Bannock has got some really great examples of mining town structures. Basically, nobody lives here anymore. We're going to declare it a historical site. So the state acquires most of the land, most of the buildings. The last couple residents that are hanging on either sell or give their property to the state by the 1970s. So at this point, the State Park Association of Montana owns Bannock and they're like, cool, we're going to turn it into um, a preserved ghost town. And that's its, that's its life now, is people can come and they can learn about this part of Montana's history. Is that a thing that park services do? Uh, well, yeah, because um, I was going to apply for a job. The Parks Department, so National Parks Service, the NPS, owns or controls ghost towns. There's a haunted ghost town in the Dakotas, I think, that every year they're looking for people to come and live on site and be caretakers. And because of my museum degree, I'm qualified. So oh I was, was going to yeah. apply for it. Uh, but I didn't want to leave uh, Jason all summer. Because there's, I mean, there's no cell service. There's nothing out there. I think they've got a landline for emergencies. So it is you in this park. You work with visitors throughout the day. You shut the place up at five. And then it is you in the middle of nowhere by yourself until the sun comes up again. That sounds like heaven cool right i would read so many i wouldn't i would sit on the porch in my underwear and just look at the trees i don't think i'd actually get as much reading done as i think i would oh, is wow. there power oh there must be there must be but i think it said that you have to be able to split logs because they've got a wood stove i think oh my goodness for your for your uh yeah for your heating needs but it's summer so yeah i don't know i guess it's for this the stove for the actual cooking Clearly, I did but not summer look into in Montana. this super serious. Uh, no, uh, Bannock is in Montana. This ghost town that I'm thinking of, uh, I think, is in the Dakotas. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because I'm like, uh, it's already snowing in Montana. And it's September. No way. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, around here, it was, like, brutal in Spokane. We didn't get any rain for 80 days. And then yeah. it just went, screw you, summer's over, it's 50 degrees. Wow. Bam. Gross. Okay, well, I like that it's 50 degrees because it's 80 today in Boston and muggy <laughs> as fuck. So screw that. Mm. Um, well, 
I should apply to work at Bannock because they have 60 remaining structures, like I told you. And maybe none of them have air conditioning, but it's got to be cooler than my fifth story floor apartment right now. Can we Um, both go and split the money? And then we'll spend all our time taping episodes to upload when we get back to civilization and um, working on our outfits for when we pretend to be ghosts in case people come to the town unexpectedly. Well, so now you've hit on a couple really important parts of this story. Um, There are ghosts in this ghost town. It is not just a ghost town because it is abandoned by people. It is a ghost town because there are several entities that are seen pretty frequently, one of whom people see, and then they go to the park service staff, and they're like, who's that reenactor walking down the street? She's got a gorgeous (laughs) dress. I want to talk to her. And they're like, guess what? We don't do (laughs) reenactors. That's exactly the scam I wanted to do. (laughs) That's why we needed two of us. Well, I think I think it's still in the cards. Um, there are so many ghosts there that you and I could do an episode per structure to talk <laughs> about the the things that we see of these structures. Oh my goodness, dude! You can take a tour, but you can also just wander around. And of the things you can see, you can see the old Spokane Mining House because the Spokane Miners Association was a thing, uh, was a main area thing. Uh, You can see the Masonic Lodge, the schoolhouse, the courthouse, the old Skinner's Saloon. Um, They have Bachelor's Row and a bootlegger's cabin. There's a drugstore. Montana's first governor's mansion was there. Oh, so this was like a serious business town. It was a real town. They built it up quick, my friend, uh, and had had these buildings ready to go, ready for people to come in and spend their money and uh, get their supplies. Um, Also, because it was a real town, they had a gallows and a boot hill, the original burying ground. The gallows were built by Bannock's first sheriff, Henry Plummer. And Henry has quite the story in terms of uh, his life in Bannock. He had a long history before Bannock, but the part that we're going to focus on is his time in this little town, his very short time, unfortunately, in this little town. Henry Plummer was a prospector, a lawman, and maybe an outlaw. (laughs) Usually you have to pick. Usually you have to pick. Uh, He was elective sheriff of Bannock in 1863, And then later that same year, the jurisdiction expanded and and it included then Virginia City. So now he's sheriff of Bannock and Virginia City, the two biggest gold mining towns in the area. That are 70 miles apart. They're 70 miles apart. That's a lot of riding. (sighs) But what happens, Liz, when you have people in the middle of nowhere riding back and forth these lonely, dusty trails on their horses. Bandits, bandits, bandits. bandits. Is exactly right. Uh, <laughs> love it. I've seen Deadwood. You've seen Deadwood. You're a lost boy at heart. Uh, they had, uh, what were they called? Hang on. I'm going to look at my notes and figure out. There's a word for them. Uh, it's the American version of a highwayman. And they are called road agents. 
in America. Road agents. Road that sounds agents. so official. It does. Yeah. Road agents. Uh, so 1963, Plummer is elected sheriff and pretty immediately people accuse him of being the leader of an outlaw gang of road agents called the Innocents. Oh, that's so cool. Why isn't this a movie? I don't know. Their their uh, passcode, so that you knew one innocent from another, was I am innocent. That's so good. Yeah. So, Henry's the, uh, the, the lawman of this town. And like I said, unfortunately, people are already starting to finger him as the nice. guy that... Mm, I wouldn't mind being <laughs> sheriff. They're already starting to point to him as the dude who robbed them. Uh, now this, the innocents uh, were concentrating their efforts around Virginia City, which makes sense because Virginia City is where most of the money was, or most of the gold was was coming out of. So, <laughs> hey, why do you rob banks? Oh, that's where the money is. <laughs> I guess you know. Um, <laughs> So some Virginia City bigwigs formed this committee called the Vigilance Committee of Alder Gulch, which is another- Everybody is so good at naming things. God, aren't they? Fuck. The Vigilance Committee of Alder Gulch, and their goal was to apprehend the innocents, and they wanted to figure out who their leader was. So many of the innocents that were captured and- tortured and questioned, indicted Sheriff Plummer as the leader of their gang. And they also pointed to Plummer's two deputies, Buck Stenson and Ned Ray, as his key associates. So he didn't even try to change it up a little bit. He was just like, all right, everybody clock out. We're going to go be a gang We're going to go be a gang now. We're going to, I mean, I got a ride between these two towns anyway. As sheriff, we might as well do a little stagecoach robin on the way. Do you think he ever mixed up what he was doing? Like, he just rode up to a coach and he was like, how you folks doing? Wait, I mean, give me your money. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Right, right. Some little old lady in town is like, my dog ran away and he's put him up. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Granny. (laughs) Well, I I mean, you and I both know, I think, I'm going to phrase this like we know from experience, that the confessions of criminals are not always to be believed. I don't know why I framed that. Like, you and I both know this, Liz. Uh, Whatever. Uh, How about people who pay attention and are from the town that gave us the torture psychologists of Guantanamo Bay know that, which I'm never doing an episode on, uh, know that confessions obtained under torture are often unreliable. Fuck. Right? All right. Well, these are pretty unreliable, I would imagine. But, you know, they've got some confessions some from, from some folks who were like, it was totally Sheriff Plummer. He did it, or it was his deputy, or it was whomever. And this is, I mean, this is a cowboy town. So uh, vigilante justice is a big, big thing. Sheriff Plummer, actually, in January, he's in his home, um... He's got tuberculosis, uh, sorry, tuberculosis, so he's very ill. But 75 members of the Vigilance Committee on January 10th, 1864, come to Plummer's home, knock on the door and say, well, we've, we've found some of the innocents. We need you to come out here and help us arrest him. And he gets out of his house <laughs> and they arrest him. And they take Sheriff Plummer, uh, Deputy Stinson, and Deputy Ray, and they march him to the edge of town. Now, uh, there was no trial. There was no real evidence presented. 
they just declared these men guilty of leading the innocents and declare them guilty and that they will be executed by hanging. So Ned walks up to the gallows and they hang him and Buck walks up to the gallows and they hang him. Plummer walks up to the gallows and as he's ascending, he says, okay, fine. I am the leader of the innocents, and if you don't hang me, I'll tell you where I've buried $100,000 worth of gold. Good thinking, man. Good thinking, man. And the vigilance committee says no, and instead of hanging him, instead of a drop hanging, they string him up by slowly pulling that rope up so he's actually suffocated to death. That's so bad. It's awful. The body's hanged overnight. Um... They were cut down in the morning and they were buried in a very shallow grave right there next to the gallows. They only gave Plummer a coffin. The other men were just put in a hole. Poor Plummer. I don't know why that's funny. I don't know. It it seems like you would do either no coffins or all coffins. But they were just like, we have a coffin. Yeah. Okay. We got one. I guess give it to the sheriff. I guess this Mm -hmm. is respect. Hmm. I don't know. What are you even doing at that point, guys? Yeah, what? No. You know, the fact that he was buried in a grave makes his corpse easy to identify of the three, which is possibly why he was grave robbed twice. Oh, no. Once, the curious local town doctor is like, oh, they killed our sheriff. I want to, huh. Well, I know that he was shot in the arm as a younger man. Let's go dig him up and see if we can find that bullet. So why so you weirdo he's a fucking weird ass frontier doctor because he's literally do you have a lack of people who have gotten shot with bullets <laughs> in the old west i don't know you'd think not right but i guess reportedly the doctor digs him up digs around in his arm a little and is like huh found the bullet and he said that the bullet had been uh worn completely smooth and round by constant grinding against plumber's bones how grody um the second time people dig him up their excuse is that they're very drunk um two dudes get (laughs) just trashed in the bar in the saloon uh it's now the 1900s so it's like 30 years after he was hanged right uh they get Mm -hmm. trashed at the bar that's still there and they're like, hey, 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 let's go dig up Sheriff Plummer. And they do. And to prove that they dug him up, they hack off his head. And they take his head to the bank exchange saloon. And it gets put on the bar back. And his skull just hangs out there until the building burns down a couple years later. I wish you could see my face right now. Is it really? There's a lot like, of like I... O shapes happening with your mouth and your eyes. <sighs> Oh, no, it's more of, like, a grimace, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's just, I'm I'm trying to get my brain around the logic there. Like, I know you didn't have TV or whatever, and probably a lot of you couldn't read, but just, like, play poker like a normal cowboy. Play poker, visit some wenches, go for a ride, brush your horse, drink some I've never been that drunk. I've never been so drunk that... I wanted to dig a hole, regardless of what was there. You know? I've been that drunk. Holes are fun as shit, man. What's wrong with you? <sighs> oh, gosh. You know what would be great? You know what would be great? Let's go outside and dig a hole. Let's go cut up a stinky dead person. 
No, I'm I'm convinced you're telling me the tale of a town full of weird perverts. And one of them was just like, I'm the doctor, by which I mean I have two books. And I'm going to dig up the sheriff for science reasons. And then sometime later, these guys are like, let's go dig him up for fun, guys. It's going to be fun. And it's just one weirdo who's like, it's going to be so fun, guys. I swear, just come with me and dig this up. And you're like, have you even been drinking or have you just been topping off our glasses? You're holding that shovel awfully steady there, Ned. Did you come here with that shovel, Ned? (laughs) Bring your own shovel. This was your plan all along. Wait a minute. Oh, man. Well, to add insult to that kind of, you know, grave robbing injury is that modern historians, uh, they kind of hotly debate Plummer's role in The Innocents. Um, <laughs> many believe that he had nothing to do with the robberies and was a fall guy for the Vigilance Committee who wanted to cover up their own robbing and nefarious duties. <gasps> so really, they were going, I am vigilant. <sighs> I am innocent. <laughs> oh, because um, yeah. If, if you said, "Hey, that guy's a stagecoach robber. Kill him," and you killed him, guess who got his money? Yeah, you. Yeah, you did. You did. Well, so did the robberies stop, or did they just stop saying that it was the innocent? The robberies did not stop until like the eighteen. 18- 90s or something like that 1880s 1890s where uh montana's now not a territory it's incorporated as a state and Mm -hmm. some higher up people than the vigilance folks are like oh what the fuck no disband get rid of all your shit get rid of all the innocent shit we're gonna bring in some actual lawmen instead of like the the western idea of a lawman Uh, Mm um So the, the, I mean, the robbing continued. The robbing sure as shit continued. (laughs) But, you know, the innocents were supposed to be a huge ban. So, you know, the vigilance committee is just like, "Mm, whatever. They're just still robbing. They just got like a different captain. It's not us. Um, Wow. Yeah. So who knows? Was Plummer an outlaw? Was he not? We don't know. The the legend goes that he, on the gallows, says, you know, if you don't kill me, I will tell you where $100,000 worth of gold is hidden. And it's debated whether or not he said, I'm the leader of the innocents and it's ill-gotten gold, or it was just like, I'm a badass prospector before I was a badass lawman. Um, so I've got my, my money all over the place that way. But it's legal. But or you're just a dude trying to buy some time. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be like, I got, I got twenty bucks. You want that? I'll tell you where that's at too. I got one hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. and twenty. The twenty's in a different place, and I have to take you there. And I'm the only one that knows how to get there. But I'm really bad at directions, so I have to drive. I navigate yeah. the landmarks. Give me a horse. And then Ned is like, "Let's dig up some bodies." <laughs> no, Ned. Ned, stop it! You're hurting this. Well, we've had this conversation. <laughs> we talked about we this. We talked about this. This was our game plan. We wrote this on your vision board, Ned. God. <laughs> Damn it. Ned, look at the card. What does it say? No digging up dead bodies. No digging. digging up dead bodies is not generally the solution <laughs> or fun. Poor Ned should have been a... Uh, yeah. He should have been a, a... Not what he was. He should have been a... What are they called? Not a mortician. A grave digger. There you go, Devin. The word yeah. was right there. 
right in front no of i think that's the opposite of what he wanted to do yeah. though he probably oh well, i guess you could make it work you'd just be like ned go dig up that body and he dig six feet down and there was nothing <laughs> and he'd be like whoops yeah all right shit Here's five bucks. Ned would have been great in Victorian England when the doctors were like, go dig up a whole bunch of bodies and bring them to us. A resurrection man. man. There you go. A resurrection man. I like that we've named him Ned. Ned was the name of the dude that that died on the gallows with him. And it was just the first old timey name I could come up with as well. So sorry for the Ned was the name of three out of ten people in that time. Right. And the rest of them were named, well, Buck. There was Buck. Um, Mm -hmm. And then probably John. Bill. Bob, mm-hmm. uh, one of the one of the other main guys in the Innocence was called Whiskey Bill. Which nice. I would like as a nickname, please. Did you know Wild Bill's name was not Bill? Wild Bill Hickok was not Wild Bill. What the fuck was his name? They called him that because he had this big nose. But yeah, his name is James Butler Hickok. Oh, wow! Wild Bill Hickok. All right, so it was mm-hmm. Wild Bill Hickok that had the rodeo show, and it was Buffalo Bill Cody who had the dead man's hand, right? The aces and eights? Do I have Other way around. Fuck. Buffalo Bill Cody had the greatest show. It wasn't mm-hmm. the Ringling yeah. Brothers, and Wild Bill died because of his big old nose. My great-grandpa actually did uh, silver work for Buffalo Bill's touring show. No fucking For, like, way. saddles and stuff, Yeah. That is really cool. Is that on your mom's side or your dad's side? My dad's side. My dad's mom's dad, as far as I know. Do you, I think that's what it was. Do you guys have any of his silver pieces? No. That's so cool, no. dude. Oh, I love Very it. Nice, though. Well, but yeah, no, Hickok was, um, I think he did probably, you know, do shows for cash because he was pretty who didn't? sad at the end. Yeah, but... he was sad at the end. Yeah. And then Calamity Jane, of course, actually ran with yeah. Buffalo Bill's crowd and said she'd been, you know, all things to Bill. I think she eventually claimed she was married to Bill Hickok yeah. or she'd tended him when he died. Yeah. She was an interesting character. Yeah. Oh, man. You had to be an interesting lady to, I mean, that's like being a, a lady biker. I feel like you have to be yeah. twice as tough as the men, you know? Yeah. Well, your silversmithing grandpa might have actually liked uh plumber because i mean your grandpa was a silversmither plumber had gold uh that treasure people actually do think is somewhere oh good okay yep treasure hunters today actually believe that plumber did in fact have a large uh cachet of wealth you know whether it was ill-gotten or not but that it's buried in and around montana um so there's a book buried treasures of the rocky mountain west and the yes. author, so we can link that book if anybody's interested. They talk about all kinds of buried treasure. Uh, the uh, CJ, I forget his last name, but the author did a really good job compiling these different supposed lost treasures. Uh, but he says, the author says that somewhere between Deer Lodge and Sun River, which is, you know, in that general like Bannock area, uh, mm-hmm. apparently Plummer says that Plummer was supposed to have buried about $50,000 worth of gold along the Cottonwood Creek. So Plummer's hanged in the 60s. And then in 1876, the son of one of the Plummer's gang, uh, this author says that Plummer was the ringleader of the innocents. Uh, mm-hmm. that's another thing when you're researching plumber people are very divided as to whether or not he was <laughs> a bad guy leader of stagecoach robbers or if he was a beleaguered wronged sheriff 
Um, but this author does think that he had a bunch of money that he stole from other folks. And that in 1876, the son of one of the innocents was um, playing along the creek bank near um, an old ranch house that either belonged to Plummer or belonged to uh, this other gang member. But anyway, the kid was playing around in the in the banks and he found several saddlebags full of gold ingots that were buried in Whoa. mud. So he pulls out two of them and brings them back to his stepfather at the house. And the stepfather's like, fuck yeah, let's go get the rest. And they go out to the bank and then the little kid, you know, he's like six and he's an idiot. And he's just like, I forget where they were. So they don't find the other gold. Oh no. Stupid child. Um, but apparently- Why would you bury your stuff on a creek bank? Isn't that just saying like, hey, the first winter we have heavy snowfall, all this right. is going to get washed away in the spring. Right? Well, I'm, I imagine like, I, I guess if you're coming back to it soon, that mud is probably pretty easy to dig. And so if you're going to come back to it before you think like the, the water level is going to change, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, it sounds dumb to me too. I would find a mountainside and I would put it, I'd dig a hole in the mountain and I would put it in the mountain and then I would cover it up with rocks. And I would make sure. I'd build a, a house and I'd build the fireplace on top of it. Ugh! How do you get it? How do you get your money when you need it? Uh, axe. <laughs> uh, uh, a pickaxe. <laughs> you gotta pull down your fireplace. Yeah. Liz. Well, I got $50,000 in gold. I don't care. I guess you could just rebuild it, but. Oh. If the objective was having ready cash on hand, don't bury it in the first place. All right. You got me. You got me. Well. Shit. I like that. Oh, bank. But, so you just bought a house recently, huh? I guess I know where <laughs> I start looking. How many fireplaces you got in that house, Liz? Is it Zero. Although we do have um, several piles of bricks in our attic from where they knocked the chimneys in at our request because they were just sort of future lawsuits. They yeah. were just loose piles of unattached brick yeah. on the roof. Yeah. Yeah. If you go down in the cellar, you can still see where the furnace was, the brick furnace, but it's not hooked up to anything. Cool. What kind of heat do you guys have now? Is it gas or is it electric? Yeah. Gas. Yeah. Uh, Did you see that I busted you in the episode that I put up about ghost trains that you had the gas on through the whole thing? I did. I'm so glad you did. That way, if people are like, uh, this is not Devin's best episode, I can point to that and be like, gas. Or if they're like, this is Devin's best episode, I can be like, cool, I'll get high before the next one. Oh my god, that was stupid. I felt really freaked out for myself finding that out. Yeah. Shit. Shit. Well, I, you don't let me bury gold in my house, because apparently I want to explode my house. So I'll have to bury it at your place. That's how I get it back. <laughs> Blow up my whole house. And then you're two for one, right? Because you faked your own death and gotten the money. You did, but you got to make sure you've got somebody like me, who's your your partner. And like, I inherit all of the money, the, the insurance money from your house that's blown up. Yes, and this is I a good scam. I'm going to have to delete all this. Shit, for- <laughs> it indicts us, doesn't it? Yeah. It- <laughs> oh my god yeah we're, we're the podcast equivalent of people who google like how to hide a body right how to cut up body yeah body disposal yeah where to hide body um- <laughs> kill body with poison kill body with axe undetectable poison <laughs> order poison online um- coupon code for poison <laughs> now paying for the price for that shit 
Shoot, what was I going to tell you? I had something else I was uh, thinking about, and that was completely gone out of my head. We got excited about poisons. We got excited. Was it about your your chimney, your friend? Oh, oh, I have a theory Ooh. about the sheriff based on having heard 20 minutes of this. All right. Which is, I think the vigilance and the innocence were the same. Yeah. I think it was all one big gang, and yep. he was skimming money. And um, so they broke into factions, and one faction of them decided to throw him under the whatever the equivalent was right. of the bus. The train. Throw him under the stagecoach. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> train would probably be better. The stagecoach, the horses would be like, no. Yeah, no. Step on him. Um, <laughs> Squishy. Yeah, and that's why he was like, I can tell you where a bunch of money is. The money I stole from you. The money I stole from you. The money I embezzled. Ooh, Liz. Yeah. I think you're onto it. I think you're mm-hmm. onto it. Nope. That's it. That's how this is. End of episode. We've closed it. I was going to tell you about the ghosts, but Ah. I I like that you you figured this shit out already. Do you want to hear about some ghosts? More cowboy stories. More More cowboy stories. Um, Well, the the main ghost that's seen in Bannock is not a cowboy. She (gasps) is a teenage girl uh, from 1916. So, oh my goodness! The Hotel Mead is the brick structure in town. It's a big two-story brick structure that was originally the courthouse, and then when they moved the county court seat, it became a hotel. Uh, today, Bannock's most commonly seen apparition, Dorothy Dunn, lived at the hotel. You know, it's one of those hotels where like you can live there forever because it's an old west town. Mm-hmm. Dorothy was a teenager in 1916. I I think she was 15 or 16 in 1916. And she was swimming with some friends at a nearby dredge pond. So it's like this this pond where they would dredge up silt and shit and then go through that silt for gold, I guess. Um, Oh, okay. But she was there with either her cousin or her sister Fawn, depending on which article you read and which website you visit, um, and a couple other girls. And they were waiting and... uh, they they waited to a point where there was a drop off shelf that they didn't recognize or didn't realize was there. So they weighed too deep and now they're drowning because none of these girls can swim. Oh no! And they're probably not wearing like little swimsuits. They're probably no. wearing like ten pounds of cloth. Yeah, it's not fifty pounds because it's wet. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so kiddos. lucky for them, this ten year old boy was passing by, dove in, saved Fawn, saved the friend, but when he got to Dorothy. She already wasn't breathing. So the townspeople drag her, or carry her rather, they, they carry her back to Hotel Mead and they try to resuscitate her, but unfortunately she's, she's dead. Um, the Matthews family that ran the Hotel Mead, their teenage daughter, Birdie, was actually Dorothy's best friend and she'd been with her that day. So Dorothy's, uh, Birdie is distraught. Short time after Dorothy's death, Birdie says that Dorothy appeared to her in the upstairs hallway of the Mead wearing a long blue dress. And ever since then, ever since 1916, visitors to the Hotel Mead have reported cold spots of seeing a girl uh, standing there. They report seeing a girl looking at them. If they're on the street, she's looking out a second story window and apparently children in particular she appears to and children will tell their parents of seeing a girl in a long blue dress in oh, the second wow. story of the Mead. Uh, the Hotel Mead also has an older woman people see, so they think she's different from Dorothy. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's an old woman who's seen at a different window 
oftentimes in the hotel and also on the second story. Um, so, of course, this ho or this uh, town, like I said, has got 60 structures. So it's got a shit ton of places for people to be, for energies to happen, for ghosts to be made, if that's how ghosts happen. I guess they get made. Um, but I guess another <laughs> apparently really haunted location is the uh, Besset House. And it originally belonged to this dude, Abed. That's not a name I've ever encountered. A-B-E-D. Um, oh, I would, I just think that's Abed. But like, Abed? who's named Abed in the 1800s yeah, right? in the West? Yeah, which white dude is named Abed? So um, he went by Amity. So um, there were nice. a lot of like... Amity means friendship. <laughs> Fuck. I'm entertaining myself. Jaws. Sorry. A Jaws reference. <laughs> wow. Deep cut. Boom. <laughs> I'm impressed. I think that's my favorite movie. Oh, man. I got such a hard-on for Richard Trifus in that movie. The, that's really? Whoever plays the nerdy biologist. Yeah. You just like those glasses that take up like three-fourths of somebody's I face. I don't know what it is. It's his curls, and it's his, his weird, like, Canadian tuxedo denim-on-denim denim look. And <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I love him. Oh, I think he's so hot in that. So anyway, um, Amity, because it means friendship, he was a good guy. Um, so whenever epidemics came through town, like typhoid, smallpox, diphtheria, all those other things that we shouldn't have anymore, but we do because some people are idiots. Um, mm -hmm, whenever they mm -hmm. came through, he would offer up his home as the quarantine site. So people could, oh bring all their, yeah, people could bring all their sick folks to his home and it would be quarantined. And then the you know doctors and nurses or caretakers or whoever... Um, they all concentrated in this one area so as to not spread it. Um, but, of course, a lot of people died in his house, and it's said that the Besset house is haunted by the spirits of numerous children who died there. Um, so Aww. you'll hear kids laughing, kids crying, but you'll hear a lot of kid ghosts in his house. Um, back at the Hotel Mead, there's also apparently kids' spirits. Um, so this is a different kind of haunting. It's, it's a residual haunting that people report that is not it, a bunch of kids didn't die in the hotel mead but uh it's often heard or children are often heard crying downstairs by the safes uh back when this was a courthouse it was built with these giant walk-in safes and whenever there was a uh indian raid on the town uh, no tribes ever actually you know raided uh, Bannock, but there were reports of Indians in the area. So then, of course, you know, you get all these, like, scared white guys with guns that are like, fuck, circle the wagons, everybody in the town. And kids that were nearby were supposed to go to Hotel Mead, and they got shut up in the safes to keep them safe from a town attack. Uh, uh, yeah, that's okay. not where I'd put my kid, right? I'd put him under the fireplace. Because um, <laughs> we know it's a good hiding place. So they, they stuffed all the kids in the safes. And, uh, you know, it's like a very stressful, scary experience for all these kids. So, of course, they're like screaming and crying and fucking freaked out. So people still hear their screams and cries coming from the safes, even though no kids ever died there. Oh, they just left all this bad energy. Just all this bad energy, which is something that I I'm... would be freaking out as a kid because I'm like, listen, yeah. if everybody out there gets killed, nobody knows the password to get me out. Yeah. If they burn down this structure, I'm in a big metal box. You put me in an oven, you assholes. 
fuck mm-hmm. you. Why am I in Airtight this? Airtight oven. Yeah, right? Right? You gonna broil me. No, get out of here. <laughs> it's just these kids crying, going, everyone is dumb. Everyone oh, is no. stupid. <laughs> these weirdos just keep digging up bodies and <laughs> putting kids in safes, and I just want to get out of here. I've lived through smallpox and diphtheria both. I don't want to eat hardtack anymore. Oh, man. But I thought that was interesting, because that's a big thing that I think about ghost hauntings, is that if I'm going to believe in ghosts, I'm going to assume that most of them are residual hauntings, and it's just a whole bunch of energy and stress that gets somehow spooled up in time and space and whatever the fuck else there is there, and then just kind of unwinds itself until it dissipates. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. You know, and then the last ghost, thank you. <laughs> it should make sense to you because I came up with it and I'm very smart. Um, the last ghost is You're a woman. starting to talk like me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I ever wanted. Um, the last ghost is the one I, I, I told you about at the beginning of the episode, which is there is a finely dressed um, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, woman seen walking down the street and people will I remember the park ranger whoever we talked to when I visited and then I've read this online as well uh, said that that's you know one that people report that they see this this beautiful richly dressed reenactor woman walking down the street and they ask you know when the show is or when whatever she's gonna do is or how cool is it that the, you guys have reenactors and then the, the folks working there have to be like ah, we don't have reenactors don't know what you saw but we don't have reenactors um bannock has a thing called bannock days these friends of mine that lived in dillon montana uh participated a couple times because the kids all grew up riding horses um so Mm -hmm. they could you know participate in in any kind of like town western horse riding activities but once a year there's like a two-day weekend event called bannock days and then they do have people that come out and you know dress as reenactors so they do like horse shows and uh, speed shooting, what is that called? Sharpshooting stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, Wild West reenactments. And um, so there are two days a year where you've got a whole bunch of visitors and a whole bunch of reenactors. But otherwise, it's park service. And so this, we don't know who this lady is, but she's seen by a lot of people. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. That is the uh, ghost town, ghost town. Of Bannock, Montana. Would you are are you into Wild West stuff? God, Wild West yes. stuff? God, so much. That is, I mean, you know, because like Dad and Ian do the Wild West reenactment stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what started my love of it. But I definitely have an affinity now and feel like that is my my origin myth is this Wild West stuff. I know the Wild West has a lot of mythology that's yeah. mythology rather than reality yeah. and has certainly, you know, obscured some actual contributions of, you know, yeah. how many cowboys were black and yeah. how badly Indians were treated and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But I think there's a nugget of something in there that is, I think, a lot of people connect to, which is the idea of, even for those of us that are, you know rabid socialists or whatever right. you're like i love the idea of a less governed time yeah. and more wild time yeah i love that tenacity that self-reliance that independence mm-hmm. that that like fierce like that family that mm-hmm. you build because you're so far away from your actual family so you and your posse make this yeah. make your own family your own 
click your own whatever you want to call it like i really like that banding together um yeah well it's the same thing i think that drives that kind of post-apocalyptic walking dead thing of you know what would you do if you had to start all the way over yes and it's you know a lot of sci-fi deals with that too yeah and you know realistically it would not be i would ride a horse and be the sexiest cowgirl it'd be like oh i would get a treatable disease and die of pooping but yep I, I like the fantasy. Yep. I like the fantasy too. Yeah, you yeah, mm-hmm. you'd smell awful, you'd have lice, um, your skin mm-hmm. would peel from the constant sunburn, and your ass would be chapped from being in a saddle. Mm-hmm. No, no, I would look amazing all the time. My hair would blow in the wind, my horse would be named Cinnamon, and it would be mm-hmm. a stallion that I tamed by myself, thank you, and only I could ride it. Right, because of your magical connection with horses. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We j- yeah, yeah. You couldn't be a cowboy's girl though, Devin. I would never be a cowboy's girl. Fuck that. I'm like Khaleesi, man. No man rules me. Yeah, and you can't keep your calves together. Gosh, goodness, you are calling me out. <laughs> you call me loose, and I call it flexible. <laughs> woman i would i would want to be a bartender i think that would be the good deal and and whenever a shootout (laughs) starts you just like duck behind the bar you grab like the good whiskey yep yep yeah you grab the good whiskey and you hang on to your little sawed off shotgun your little blaster Mm -hmm. down there liz do you remember we've had at least two old joe clark's photos done together and in one Mm -hmm. of them you're a madam selling me Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in the other i'm a cowgirl and you're a comanchero kind of thing yeah with your bandolier (laughs) belt oh man the hotness and it's one of those things where like now when i go to old old clarks i'm like you guys should maybe get rid of the indian stuff like it's 2017 it's time to to put up the sombreros and the war bonnets and whatever right could you not have a big giant fake mustache like that's you know let's just focus on the western aspect Focus on the the buckskin and the chaps and the big ten gallon hats, <laughs> or oh, just like man. Uh, the the dresses. Just focus on the dresses. Anybody could wear the dresses. There you go. Anybody they can fit wear the anybody. Dresses. So we got off on a tangent at the end there, but Liz, that is the ghost town, ghost town of Bannock, Montana. I loved everything about that. We're going to move there and at least uh, for a summer hang out and be in charge of it, I think. That's all. I'll mind. start sewing my blue dress. You creep. Okay, I get to be the fancy lady in the street. Nice. Handled. Um, <laughs> well, if people want to join us next week, I would love it if they would. We are on Podbean and we're also on iTunes for your listening pleasure. You can interact with us socially on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Liz, you're you're talking about getting a Discord server up and running, perhaps, so that we can talk that way. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, definitely, when we do new things like that, we update Facebook and our website, WeJabrods.com. So yeah. look at those two first for new information. Um, other than checking out Bannock, uh, which is something I think you all should do, um, I hope that you live weird, die weird, and stay weird. Thank you for listening. You have a good day. You go get some breakfast. Drink a coffee.